0: This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show 380. There could be 10 different plans you have. You've got, you know, the worst case scenario to the best case scenario and everything in between. And if a resident does this, then I'm going to do this. And if they react this way, I need to do that. I mean, you you have time, but you have to spend time preparing.
1: You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from biggerpockets.com, your home for real estate
2: investing online. Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's Brandon Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast here with my favorite ex-wrestler. Did you ever wrestle in high school? No, I was a basketball player. Ex-basketball player David Green. What's up, David Green? There was actually
3: a rivalry between wrestlers and basketball players because we at the season was at the same time and we both wanted to use the gym. Mm. So that was like lightweight insulting what you just did.
2: Was it like the West Side Story where like you guys would go out in the street and like start snapping your fingers and like doing. like Yeah, it looked more like the Michael
3: Jackson beat it video where like we were kind of holding hands, but we also had a (laughs) knife in the other one and we were like circling and dancing while trying to look tough. That's
2: usually what jocks do in high school. I remember those days. I was not a jock. I was a... No, shooter. you
3: bloomed late. You ended up becoming a <laughs> man's man, which you guys will hear about later in today's show. Exactly
4: how Brandon... <laughs> <can't.
2: You> just... <laughs> See, David David felt uh, emasculated. Is that the word today? Yeah. Because David's That's at home. Right. And and I talked about being on a roof today. And, uh, you know, David... I was exactly... at home
3: getting a manicure and yeah. lotioning my, my hands while Brandon was out there living by the sweat of his brow and the cut of his jaw. Yeah, that's you get. You got to listen to this episode to the end because it's very uh, good.
2: That's funny. All right. Well, speaking of today's episode, we got three guests on today's episode who are all landlords. So we have Dave Poppelmeyer, who is a newer, or maybe not even newer is the right word, but he is a a smaller landlord with a, a less than ten rental units of his own. Then we have Mike Butler, who you may have read his book "Landlord and Autopilot," very good book. Uh, he manages. I think close to 500 rental units and he owns a whole lot of them himself. And then of course we have Chris Clothier. He's been on the show multiple times before. Chris is a investor, but he also runs a turnkey business that buys, renovates and sells homes to out-of-state investors. They operate in like all over the place. And they have like 5,000 units now that they uh that they manage for their clients. So we've got the entire gamut here of- and Landlords. And today's entire show is on how to navigate this COVID world, this, this world we find ourselves in today as a landlord or as a real estate investor. And even if you don't have any properties yet, we talk about a lot of just big picture of where we're headed afterwards, uh, as, just as a real estate investor in general. So even if you are not a landlord right now, if you're a flipper, wholesaler, uh, a house hacker, whatever, you're going to get a lot of valuable information today out of this show. We got some really smart guys and uh, myself and David as well. So with that, David. Let's get to today's quick tip. tip. What do you
3: All got? All right, today's quick tip is location matters. Now, when you're looking at where to buy a rental property, there's more and more people that are starting to work from home. And the long distance investing thing is starting to pick up some tracks. And people are realizing I can work from home, so I can buy a property from home. Don't oh. just look at cash flow. That's that's one of the like the siren and the old. Uh, tales of sailors that are getting pulled out to sea, you know, and like brought to their deaths. That's cash flow. It calls to you and it says, I will meet all your needs and I'm perfect. And it's a mirage. It's not always true. You need to consider location. The, The properties that you're buying will tend to be rented by a certain demographic of people. So one of the questions I always ask my agent every time is what kind of people live or rent in this neighborhood? And what I'm looking for is not necessarily how much money they have, but what type of job they work in. Okay, are these Hollywood actors, are these construction workers, are these firefighters? What type of person? Because certain jobs like a firefighter are much more recession resistant. Other jobs like a tech worker, they can work from home when you're having a slowdown, like a virus related thing, because you got to think this Corona thing could happen again. There could be another outbreak. Okay, this is something that we should just kind of plan for other industries like someone who works in a warehouse and stands in an assembly line and stamps metal. They're not working from home. So when you're buying properties, consider that. What is the industry that your tenants are going to be working in? And are they going to continue to have an income stream if we have another shutdown like this?
2: All oh, right. And that was today's not so quick tip not so quick. from David Green. Just kidding. Man. <laughs> you got to know right. if you
3: throw it to me. It's probably All going right. to be... a. It's a way. long tip.
2: Yeah, it's a yeah. long tip today. All <laughs> right, with with that, no, that was good. That was really good advice, and it is like when you say cash flow is like the siren. What he, he David, is not saying you shouldn't buy for cash flow. Or you shouldn't look at cash flow. He's saying that that's, that's all you're looking at because sometimes you think you're getting a good cash flowing deal, but then. Your tenants destroy. I mean, one of my worst deals ever looked great on paper, but like the tenants just kept destroying the house and it was a bad neighborhood and I couldn't attract the right tenant. And the house itself had so many just weird things about it that like my quote unquote cash flow ended up being non existent. So, you know, there's more to a deal than just looking at that number of what cash flow comes in. Yeah, look at the holistic, the entire deal.
4: Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at DealMachine.com BP. Passive income without the property
5: headache? It's possible. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think.
2: Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now, without any further delay, let's get to our interview with Dave, Mike, and Chris. All right, gentlemen. Welcome all to the Bigger Pockets podcast. Good to have you all here. Thank you, sir. Right. Thank you. Hello. All right. All right. So uh, before we get into this thing, deep into the world of uh, how this coronavirus stuff and how the social distancing is affecting landlords today and real estate investors, I wanted to take a second to have each of you introduce yourself for those who might not know you. So why don't we start? Uh, why don't we start with the man who's been on the podcast now? This is number four. So you guys all know who he is, Chris Clothier. Chris, tell us about yourself real quick.
0: Yeah. So look, you know, since the last time we were here, not a, not a ton has changed. We're still operating. Oh wait, what am I saying? Not a ton has changed. We've, we have been known as Memphis (laughs) Invest and we rebranded this past year to uh, REI Nation after uh, entering into our seventh market. So we're, look, man, we're, we're doing what we've always done. We're buying houses in seven markets, having fun, renovating them. We're managing a little over 6,000 units today for single family, uh, passive investors. And uh, other than that, I have no more kids. I stopped at five. Okay, good. So that's a an update <laughs> and wow, the company's, the company's growing. We're having fun and, and just kind of doing our thing. This is a challenging time, but up until, up until this day, we just, you know, we kind of kept doing what we, what we do, what we've talked about so many times on here, being good at buying and selling and occupying and managing. So that's cool, man. Yeah. I wondered when you were going to change the name. Cause when,
2: you know, it can't be, it wasn't super clear, right? Memphis invest in Dallas. It was like, wait, wait is it Dallas invest? Is it? Mem- yeah.
0: yeah. I'll tell you, when we hit the halfway mark, when we had sold just as many houses in markets not named Memphis as we had Memphis, we knew we, we had to make a, uh, a change there to kind of be more reflective of who we were. So, yeah, we just, right. we've, we've been planning it for a few years and did it January 1st. All right. Very cool. Well, and of course, if people want to hear
2: more about Chris's story, you can go back and listen to the episodes he's been on. Uh, we'll put links in the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 379. Uh, now let's go to Dave Peppelmeyer. I hope I'm saying that last name right, Dave. Is that correct?
6: Close enough. All right, Dave. <laughs>
2: <laughs> tell us about yourself. Uh, who are you? Where are you at in the world? What do you do in real estate?
6: Yeah. So uh, so once again, my name is Dave Peppelmeyer. I live in Toledo, Ohio, and my wife and I, we own houses in the Toledo metro area. We started buying houses in 2013, basically straight off of uh, rich, Dad, poor, dead. So once again, like a lot of investors, that was the big eye opener for us. And since we had no idea what we were doing, we actually did his full system and everything, and it was great. And so, just slowly but surely, we've been adding houses. We have eight houses, and we focus mostly around the University of Toledo. We like the student housing. Uh, my wife and I both went to the University of Toledo, so we know the area, and it's it's cool. Kind of giving back per se, and the fact that we actually give students like nice houses to live in, and not the cesspools that I may have not been sober in <laughs> once or twice back then. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, just like everybody else, we're kind of planning for the worst and hoping for the best with everything here in this market. But we're we're not letting it slow us down. We're still looking at acquiring more houses, and actually are, are buying our first four pack of houses for the first time ever. So we're rocking and rolling still.
2: On, on the four pack, do you get like a buy three, get one free discount?
6: I would love I that, but no.
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Very cool. And finally, uh, for many of you needs no introduction, but we'll give one anyway. Mike Butler, uh, Mike was the author of Landlord and an Autopilot, which you've probably heard me talking about on the show be- before, because that book, Mike, your book made such a massive impact on my wife, Heather, and I, when we were getting into real estate, we got that book from the library, then we went and bought it, and then- I mean, it was been underlined and highlighted and our entire world was built off your business, uh, your, your model in, in your book. So thank you for joining us today, Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself and I guess how you became the Godfather. Oh, thank you,
1: Brandon. <laughs> uh, I'm here in Louisville, Kentucky. And, I, uh, I started my investing, uh, while I had a full-time job and, uh, as an undercover police detective doing murder for hire contract killings, organized crime, Ooh. I was on a bomb squad. So I love adventure. And, uh, We've got uh, hundreds of rentals here in my hometown. I like to do it in my own backyard in one county for one legal system, one court system, and it works. It it, never in a million years did I dream that I would be here on this call with with you, Brandon, and all these other experts. And uh, I grew up in a poor end of town, typical story, but oldest of seven kids in a blue-collar neighborhood. So real estate is just unbelievable. Changed my life, gave me true financial independence, and I want to help others achieve that as well.
2: Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, definitely, you guys, check out Mike's book. So good. Uh, Landlord and Autopilot. Again, like I said, all, so many of our systems are built off of what you taught. So very cool. It's a, it's an honor to be here today with all three of you guys today. So why don't we why don't we start with, you know, we heard a little bit about, about what your markets are like. Uh, I'm going to actually jump in and in, in ask Chris and start with you because you've got, you know, 6,000 units you're managing across, what, seven cities, you said? Right, so so you got a pretty a nationwide view, or at least you know somewhat nationwide view of what's going on. What are you seeing right now? We are recording this, by the way, for everyone listening. We are recording this on Monday, the thirteenth of April. So obviously, the show comes out I think a week and a half after recording this. So there might be some slight changes between now and then. You know, forgive us for you know the rapidly
0: changing world around us. But what are you seeing right now, Chris? Yeah, I'll tell you the the biggest change that we've seen right now has been remarkably. It's been communication that we're on. We're even just about on all of our numbers as far as the number of properties that have paid their full rent, the number of residents that paid rent uh, in advance. So before the first day of the month, the number of residents that paid by the due date, which in Texas is the third and in all of our other markets was the sixth this month. All those numbers remain remarkably the same. What changed was the communication. So we had a lot of communication beforehand from our residents. We did not. Do any outreach on the front end, but we decided to wait and manage case by case because everybody knew rent was due April first. So, uh, what we found was a lot more open outreach from residents. They are, they kind of know that they're in a in a precarious situation. They're trying to communicate in advance of, hey, I lost my job, I got laid off, I got my hours to cut, whatever it you know their duress ends up being. We just have found ourselves managing this this list of people that are proactively outreaching, saying, hey, this is my scenario. What can we do to kind of work together? Because nobody wants to lose their housing right now and nobody wants to be in a scenario where they'll lose it in the future. So that's been the shocking thing to us so far has been that, that rather than going and having to chase people down, we actually had a lot of people very proactively come out and say, when I say a lot, we found it to be about 8% of our entire portfolio did some outreach on the front end. Out of that, 25% of that 8%, paid full rent on time, no issues, but they just wanted to communicate that, Hey, we're, you know, we're seeing some, some signs in the future. We may struggle. So, you know, it, it was one of these, um, so far that the, just the communication has been really, really upfront and very proactive. Whereas we were anticipating a real struggle so far. It hadn't been that way. Yeah.
3: You know, one thing that's unique about your situation, Chris, is you're in seven different markets and you're doing a large volume. So you probably have the most accurate information from just a sample size perspective. Has your company noticed a difference in one area versus another with how tenants are acting, who's paying, who's not, or has it been pretty much uniform across the board?
0: Well, I would say that we don't see, we don't vary a lot in uh, the price point of, of property. And so we may be in seven different markets, but Price point is generally the same until you get to like a Dallas and a Houston where the property is just more expensive so the rents are higher. We were anticipating to kind of see the same numbers across the board. What we found is that the smaller markets, the tertiary markets, like a, heck, I'm not even sure that Little Rock would be a tertiary market. That would be, what I don't know what the number is for like a fourth level market, but, <laughs> yeah, or what the name is. But um, like a Little Rock and a Tulsa Oklahoma City, we found these markets paid almost 100% in full on time. We had very little disruption in those markets, whereas Memphis, we, you know, we've got the most properties in Memphis. And then Dallas and Houston, we saw, you know, just a little higher level of disruption in those markets. So, you know, they were, for whatever reason, they just they if we've seen a variation in collections and that kind of stuff, it's been in those markets. They're they're carrying probably the, the biggest load of no pays or slow pays or those that are that are in complete duress, lost their job and and struggling. But if we haven't seen it by price point, because we just don't we don't manage enough varying price points. So
3: now did you proactively reach out to your tenant pool and talk to them or did you wait for them to call you? How did you guys handle that?
0: No, we, I mean, we debated, we debated amongst our executive team a lot. I was, I was very pushing for us to get something out like back around March 20th. I wanted to be way out in front, yep. but I give my dad a lot of credit because he's the one who, who take, who took everybody's, you know, opinions, including mine. I was pretty forceful and, uh, just said no. Just said that that I don't he, he justified it by saying, I don't want to have to communicate with our residents over and over and over again as things change. He's like, What what we're going to do is we're going to have a plan on dealing with those that are having trouble. And then we also had a plan for each step of the way on times when you're late, when you're, you know, whether you're making a plan or not making a plan, whatever. So rather than trying and, and and I'll give you a great example of this. We decided one of our options was let 's go to all of our residents and give them a price break right off the bat and tell them that if you pay on time, you get a price break and that's not in that's not being very responsible with our owners' money because that's their money and we reckoned that a or we, we, our rationale was that a majority of our residents would be able to pay on time they weren't going to be in, in duress. and we were right you know here we are today you know we we've, we've collected roughly ninety percent of the rent that has been billed. And by the day it was late, we were over 70%. So if we had given discounts in advance to get people to pay on time, we would have gotten the same amount of money or the same number of units would have paid their rent. They just all would have paid a lot less and that would have taken money out of the owner's pocket. So we said, let's just, let's manage the exceptions rather than the rule. Let's not go out to everybody. Let's let this play out the way it's going to play out. And then we will work with residents on a one-on-one basis rather than try and manage this whole big pool with one policy.
2: You know, sure. that was that was one of the points I made early on. I made a video on bigger pockets that got a lot of views early on was, you know, we're sending this letter out to tenants. And before the letter one came out, I made another video that said that the most important thing you can do is have a plan in place that you know what you're gonna do. And now we in house, in our company, said, Okay, this is what's gonna happen if tenants don't pay rent. But the distinction is there's there's what if tenants can't can't pay rent? And I said that in quotation marks. I can't pay rent because they call, you know, if you give them the option of not paying rent most of them will, will not pay rent, right? So this right. is not, this is, but, but we internally, and I'm sure you do well, I'm sure all you guys do, is what if they don't pay rent? That's a different question, right? So we chose the same as you, Chris, is we like we did send out a letter, but we didn't give them options. We didn't give them a discount. We didn't give them anything like that. We just said, hey, you still got to pay rent. Now, if they don't pay rent, now we do have a plan for that. And I would like to talk about that with you guys in a minute. Uh, but I'm curious, Mike, I know I saw, uh, Kevin shot me over your letter that you sent tenants. So I know you sent something to tenants as well, right? Is that, is that true?
1: No, no, no. Here's here's what I did. Uh, uh, congratulations and kudos to Chris. 6,000 units in seven different <laughs> cities. That just makes my head hurt. <laughs> but uh, I like, uh, we've got just as far as the number of units. We're over 500 units. And uh, I got an excellent staff and team leaders. So here's what I did. When all this stuff first started popping around, and like Chris said, around March the 20th or so, might have been a few days before that, I went, oh, no, I got a plan right now. Mm-hmm. So number one is I don't want to call up or be proactive, reach out, say, hey, if you have trouble or get a discount because they're going, yeah, I'm having trouble. Okay. So so what I did is how could I effectively communicate to them that they have to pay the rent? Well, keep in mind, back then they were talking about you don't have to pay rent yeah. for two months. Okay. The court, no foreclosures or no uh, evictions for two months. And that just kept getting extended. So I'm like, holy cow. And then you'd see on Facebook rent strikes. Yep. Yes. Remember that kind of garbage? Yeah. And so a lot, we've got a, uh, I would say a majority, not all, but maybe I'm going to ballpark at two thirds of our residents live paycheck to paycheck. And so they're, they're going to freak out if they lose their job and, and all this stuff and they can't really function too well. So what I did is I went on my, went on my website and I put something about, I want to protect my staff and employees. So we created the Wendy's walk-up window. And, uh, <laughs> so nobody has to deal with the public. I'm serious. And that there's, picture, there's pictures of it on our website. So I created the Wendy's walk up window. And then on there, I said something about if you expect to have trouble paying rent, click here. And so when it goes over there, I've got, it, it's, it's not pretty. I just banged this up real fast to get it out. And it was something along the lines like this. Okay. Coronavirus outbreak or whatever. Okay. You must pay rent. Your rent is not waived. And there was one, one of the phrase, uh, questions I put in there, I said, if you need help getting your free $1,200, the federal, the feds promised like $1,200 before the care act was passed. I think I have something like that on there. And I said, uh, if you expect that you might have trouble, well then click this link here and it goes to a page with six links. Go and, uh, talks about like how you can get the uh, unemployment headed federal, state and local and our local government, the idiots. Okay, they basically got what's called a neighborhood department. And they got like three point <laughs> two million dollars. Just go get in line, and they'll give you money for stuff. And so we started getting, believe it or not, I mean, I was I was terrified when all this initially rolled out. And I didn't want to tell them, hey, if you need to, I didn't want to send something out under everybody's nose because they would participate. Yeah, I want a discount, yeah. But I felt compelled to put something up there for those. We started getting checks from these local agencies for their rent before April 1st. I was shocked. And so then the folks who, who had trouble paying rent on April the 3rd, okay, that's when we normally send our late notice, pay or quit possession notice goes out. And so we looked at that, and I was shocked. I was expecting April to be a bloodbath, you know, with yeah. 33% of tenants or, resident, or renters being unemployed. It was like Chris said, you know, it was about maybe a total of 8%. And so what I did is this is something unique. We've never experienced this before. So rather than try to adapt all of our property management software and everything like that, I just created what I called a, a Corona tenant, hot, a resident hot sheet. And it allows my resident manager, she was keeping notes in a notebook and she asked me to help her create this. So I created this thing. And now just at a glance, I can see the status of everybody there. And if you remember, I said the paycheck, the paycheck people, Those are the ones that can't function. Okay. So the paycheck to paycheck people, I want you to think relationship wise, like, remember, leave it to beaver. (laughs) Yep. And so this is how I trained Carla, my resident manager. And I gave her two extra helpers to be proactive, to reach out to these people, but when they haven't paid the rent. So you'll discover great residents who don't pay, haven't paid and they're terrified and they can't function and their world's all upside down. And so We reach out to them like June and Ward Cleaver call them by their first name a lot. Hey Chuck, what's going on? I see this never happened before. You haven't paid your rent. So Chuck is going to say something. Okay. And Chuck's going to bump his gums a whole lot. Let him throw up. Okay. Because now he's getting that cancer out of his belly and who gets credit for it? You do. Okay. So now you can talk to what our goal is, is to get Chuck to make her rent, make the rent payment, go into the A pile and get paid first. So we're going to offer them all kinds of ways to get some help, even offer. And I know this sounds goofy, corny for Chris, because his staff doesn't have the time, but sort of like be like Junior Ward Cleaver. Hey, well, what bills you got? You know, can you defer some of these? But you got to pay your rent because you know what? Your landlord got loan payments to make. And if you don't make your rent payment, they can't make the loan payment. You could lose your home. Yep. So ultimately, we want them to pay it all. Okay, that's that's our goal. And that's our what we strive for. If they say, no, I can't do it, blah, blah, blah. Well, how much can you pay? that's the last resort. And when they get down to that, if they got say a thousand bucks as a rent and they say they can pay 600 bucks, well, tell you what, Chuck, let's get that 600 bucks in here right now. And that means there's 400 dollars. At least that's going to, that's going to help you not lose your home. You know, let's get that 600 bucks in now. we'll take the 400 park it on the shelf. It's not, we're not going to forget about it. Okay. And when you get back up on your feet again, then we'll take whatever, how much you still own. We'll set, we'll craft some kind of payment plan that won't, crimp your lifestyle and it'll be a win-win-win. Yeah, And, uh, I was shocked. Uh, I was, I was expecting we prepare for the worst and hope for the best. You know, when you're hearing stuff like 33% of the yeah. tenant uh, renters are unemployed and that was as of two days ago, who knows what it is today, but wow. I mean, we've got some great residents and, uh, and I love them. Now, if you've got, you know, a quality stuff, you know, that live in the, gated communities and things like that. You're not going to talk to them like Junior Ward Cleaver, but the paycheck, the paycheck people. Yeah. The ones pay $22 a week to rent a toaster. Yep. Yeah, turn off that toaster rent. Let's pay your rent. Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, I, what I like about what you're saying, Mike, and this is what we, we kind of the same thing. I think probably all of us are is like, you got to give your tenants options. Like part of a job of a landlord, like I think is to, is to be there to help like process through the difficult situation with your tenant. I mean, like we don't have to, but like, it's a complicated time. So like we were literally like having the website available. Or here's how you apply for unemployment. Cause I know tenants who just had no idea even what unemployment, how it worked or how to apply for it. They, all they know is they lost their job. Let's help them.
1: You're exactly right, Brandon. And here's another thing that goes with these, that level of a tenant. Okay. And they can live in nice homes too, but you want to be like, I mentioned junior Ward Cleaver and I keep saying it all the time, but don't just expect you can make a proactive phone call and they're going to perform. Yeah. Okay. They ain't paid the rent. What <laughs> makes you think they're going to be responsible after the phone call. So then I like to give them a deadline. Okay, Chuck, now when are you going to apply for this or, or go to that, uh, call this agency or this, that, or whatever. Okay, now when are you going to get that done? Now I'm going to check back with you Wednesday. Okay, you say you can have it done by Tuesday. I'll give you extra day. I'm going to check back with you Wednesday. And you do follow up with them. Mm-hmm. And what that does is that makes them subconsciously the psychology of it. It makes them feel valued. Like you care, like you're trying to help them. Okay. And that's what you want. That's how you're going to get good tenant retention. So uh, the follow up on that is just as important as reaching out and being proactive.
3: Well, one thing I really like about your method, Brandon and I talked about this a lot when you're referring to psychology. When people are unsure what to do or they're scared, or oftentimes when they're in a position where they're not in, in a position of strength, right? When they're out leveraged where they don't have a whole lot of recourses like a tenant's going to feel when they're not working and they don't have a lot of money, is they're usually looking for someone to make an enemy. They want to, like Brandon always says, no one wants to be the villain in their own story. They want someone to be a bad guy. they're you just they're looking quote to out.
2: me? You just quoted? Wow. Yeah. And I, gave- <laughs> I just got quoted by David Green. This is great.
3: We're also assuming Brandon actually came up with that quote that he didn't hear someone else say it and then quote it. That is and my quote. I- <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've indirectly plagiarized someone because of Brandon. No. <laughs> What you're saying is it's actually like a police tactic. I'm sure that's where you picked up that skill because we learn to do that kind of stuff all the time. You're going to make them do what you want them to do. They're going to pay that rent, but you don't want them to feel like that's what you're doing it. So you give them options. You tell them, hey, here's a list of places you can go to get help. Did they need to get that from you? Probably not. They probably heard about this stuff in other places. But by you offering it to them, it makes it hard to not like you. It makes it hard for them to make you the bad guy. It makes them difficult for them to say, screw that guy. I'm not paying anything. That's very wise, that you're, you're basically, nope, you're gonna, you're gonna comply, you're under arrest. But, but I'm gonna let you
1: feel like you have a say in how it goes down. Well, here's what I train my staff to do that are reaching out to them. I've got a, a dedicated page that has six links for them to see the benefits. So we ask them, one, do you have access to the internet? Well, does your cell phone, can you go to the internet? Well, go to our website and see where it says residents, touch that, now here's a list, and the links are in there. All they gotta do is click on it to get started. The phone numbers are there, everything. And we encourage them instead of, you know, most folks are expecting their landlord to call them up and beat them up. Where's the rent? Where's, yeah. where's the rent? You know, that's the villain. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That, that you guys are talking about, but instead I want to offer help and, and feel like, make them feel like we're offering them solutions to help them in this crisis. Well, to you go know? to the, the
2: villain example. So like, I know one's the villain in their story, right? There's actually something called like the hero's journey. It's like, like writers know about this and like they were in the writing and a lot of sales guys, Talk about this is like there's this journey that everyone goes through, and and as a business owner, like you don't want to be the hero, like you can't be the hero. The, the customer is a hero. This is just like sales stuff. Um, who's the guy that wrote that book? There's a really good one about Donald Donald it. Miller. Donald Miller. Story, yeah, so he story, the story brand, brand. yeah, so. Book. Yeah, story band. So good. But uh, he makes it like, you don't want to be the hero, but he's like, you don't want to be the villain. You want to be the guide, right? And that's what we're doing by by helping our tenants. Like, I mean, besides the fact that like, this is a bit, a, you know, a, a sales thing or whatever, we legitimately are the guide. Like the landlord should be the guide. They should not be the hero or the villain. Our job is to both help our owners if we're managing for other people to make sure it's profitable. But we do that by making sure our tenants stay for long term and they can pay their rent. And so it's a kind of a, we are the guide in between everybody. And so we're making this thing happen. Uh, I'm curious if I could if I could bring in in Dave into you in this part. Like, what do you, what did you see? Was it better than expected? And did you preempt anything with your tenants, or did you uh, just rely on waiting for them to call you?
6: Being smaller and may, mainly working with college students, I did actually reach out when students move in. I kind of have with them what I call the dad talk. You know, have fun, don't destroy the house, pay the rent, and enjoy your time. The you know? dad talk, I love that. And so, <laughs> And so, uh, exactly so what that is. it is. And so I got three kids. So it was, it's a dad talk. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, so I actually sent out texts and, uh, and actually I'm on the board of our, one of our local investors groups, uh, print, uh, property investors network here in Toledo. So we had this discussion at our March board meeting, you know, as everything was going on, it's like, okay, you know, us smaller people, what do we do? And so we kind of all agreed that we were just going to text our, Text works great, obviously, for the younger generations and things like that. So all I did was all of my groups of... I have five groups of students and three just normal residents in our in our houses. And I just sent out a text saying, hey, guys, how are you doing? Are you okay in this craziness? And that's all I did. And so I got a lot of text back. Yeah, we're doing good. Hey, thanks for checking on in on us. I mean, there was a lot of gratitude from our residents and especially the students, too. I mean... They went from a normal spring semester to all of a sudden, now all their classes are online. They're not seeing anybody. And some of them are essentially trapped in these houses in Toledo. Like, you know, I know a a bunch of my uh, students live up in Northeast Ohio, two and a half hours away. And so, so yeah, so it's not like they can just pop back home. So that that went really far, I feel. And so once again, being small enough, I can do that. And then here in Toledo too, um, I sent up a follow-up text a couple weeks later, checking in again. It's like, hey, how are we doing with uh, with paying rent this month? So I didn't just come out of the gate like, yeah, where's the rent, you know. Uh, but the second one was like, hey, if, if you're, if you're going to have any problems, please let me know. And so when I move people in, once again, that's one of the biggest things I go over is this communication. You know, please don't stick your head in the sand. I'm here to help you. You know, I am, you know, I'm not big money pocket bags investor. You know, I'm like you. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, here in Toledo, they also have if you dial two one one, it goes straight to, to the United Way, and so through the United Way, you know, there's all kinds of once again, how to file for unemployment uh, assistance with utilities, all that kind of stuff. And for one house, I, I did do that. I told them, you know, about two one one, and then I don't know if they did anything with it, but uh, but yeah, so I was more upfront with the communication. But once again, I'm smaller. I'll have 6,000 units to manage. So I can do that. And actually, and it worked out really well.
2: That's cool.
3: Are any of you guys utilizing some of the programs that Mike gave to the clients as far as paycheck protection program or any of the other government
2: loans?
0: When you say utilizing, what do you mean, Dave?
3: Have you applied for any of them? Have you seen any money show up?
2: Yeah, like, you know, like all the SBA stuff and the Paycheck right. Protection, like yeah, just like all the, the stuff the government's now come out with to help business owners. As business owners, are you guys getting that at all?
0: So as a business owner, we absolutely applied for that. Yep. But haven't, we don't have anything. I mean, that was, uh, I, I know that's probably uh, a very normal thing that most business owners are saying right now. We've, we've, we've done the application, but the banks don't know what's going on. Nobody really knows what's going on. We haven't heard anything back yet, so. We applied for the Paycheck Protection thing, which is like two and a half
2: months of payroll. So we got like 75 grand approved on paper, like in an email. It said it's been approved and that's, that's all I've got. I haven't seen no money. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So I've got a piece of paper saying that I'm approved for a $75,000. And then of course it's like, some people are saying it's forgivable, but then it's not actually in the paperwork. So we don't really know if it is or not. The whole thing is just (laughs)
1: like, who would expect the government to be
2: clear? I don't know.
4: Yeah.
1: I got something to add to that. Yeah. Uh, when this all first got started, I was attending so many webinars yeah. and educational things and all this, and then only to discover that one webinar says, well, they changed this two days ago. Now they don't have as many steps. And I'm like, my God, yeah. <laughs> Pull my hair out. So I don't want to be an expert on that, but my wife is doing all that for me. Yep. But I will say this, you know, apply for that stuff if you can help it. One of them that I thought was really weird was... Economic disaster. Remember that one? E I D L. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. This. Yeah, that used to be complicated. Then it got simple. And they said, go ahead and apply for it. And if your application is pending, or even if you get denied, apply again, and we'll send you ten thousand dollars of forgivable loan. So that was bizarre. Yeah. And uh, I heard this this on a webinar that I think is super sharp. I'd like to share with everybody on the on the call. If you do get any kind of this care act or any kind of Corona money or loans or what have you, that has a specific purpose, read the fine print in it. And this is beautiful. Let's say that Brandon said you got an email uh, money for the PPL or PPP. Well do this to protect yourself. Okay. Open up a, a brand new bank account and put that money In a brand new bank account used exclusively for the things involved with that. And don't put it in your operating account. And that way you got a bank account that supports that you, you complied with everything that uh, is required.
0: That's smart. Yeah. We'd heard that we'd heard that if you thought it was difficult to get the application done for the PPP, then wait till you apply to have it converted to a grant. Uh, (laughs) So (laughs) we had, yeah, one of our, you know, uh, a friend of ours in the lending, uh, world told us the same thing, Mike said, that was a, that was a, a big, I guess a big opportunity to protect yourself and make it easier on yourself in the back end is to have a separate, you know, a separate account just for that particular money. Should you get approved? Should you actually receive it so that you can run everything through it and have a nice, easy, good looking paper trail for it? Yeah, that's the most uh,
1: You know, you talk about opportunity on here, Brandon. One thing that uh, a lot of folks are just sort of kind of ignoring because Times Square is empty and Vegas Strip is black and all this. But, you know, the feds, we haven't heard too much about this lately, but the feds just lowered the rate. They say almost zero percent. Yeah. So I I believe there's going to be all kinds of opportunities in the near future whenever this starts to wrap up and the economy gets going again. Uh, So stockpile cash and Take a look, ask whoever you do business banking with, credit unions included, uh, see if they have adjusted their investor loan products and see what the interest rates are. I mean, if you could get two and a half percent fixed for 30 years, uh, would you borrow a million dollars? I think so. I would. (laughs) I'd (laughs) borrow a lot more than that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'm not trying to freak anybody (laughs) out, but. You know, take a good look. We've, we're all at home. You can't go anywhere, really. So take a look at your rentals, your portfolio, and this includes, you, you know, Dave, you as well, and and try to touch base with the loan officer that you deal with at those different banks or whatever you're talking about, and see if they have an investor loan product that's been adjusted to the newer rate. And here's how I know that they're going to do it is because you, have you seen that? Was it New Day USA, the veteran loan company? Yeah. Remember that? They they make home loans for veterans. Yeah. Just about two or three days ago, I saw a commercial on on TV where they said that that, uh, refinance your home. This is the lowest rate ever. Not in recent years, not into this decade, ever. So uh, they're taking action on that. And uh, hopefully some of that trickles down to us. Yeah. You know, the other side of the
3: grants and loans was the forbearance and the deferment. And I know, Dave, you have a little bit of experience with that. Do you mind jumping in and kind of sharing what you've been doing as well as what you've been recommending when it comes to loan forbearance or payment deference?
6: Sure. So uh, so the one out of my eight houses I did have, basically, when I bought the house in January, I knew the tenants were barely scraping by at that point. And so once this all hit, it, was, it wasn't it was surprised that they're the first ones that came forward and said, yeah, there's there's no way we can make the rent. And so, uh, so I have that house and then another house. These two houses are in a new LLC of mine that the uh, lease is up in April. And because we can't show said house, we have no one to live in that house after April here. With those, those two, I have with their uh, commercial loans with a small local commercial bank. So I emailed uh, Shannon, my uh, my loan guy, and I said, hey, here's what's going on as I like, can we get some kind of deferment for the three months, you know, with this CARES Act and stuff like that. He's like, yeah, sure. Let me get that paperwork on for you. OK, great. And I've actually talked to him since. And he says, yeah, everything look, looks like it's approved. Now, with the deferment, there's still interest being accrued. But, you know, for the three months, you know, there's no payments. But what will happen is I have uh, I have a. Uh, a 10-year balloon payment. So they'll just wrap those three months into the end of the balloon. And so that's going to help me a lot because these two houses are not going to have money coming in. In fact, I'm going to put some money in them to get them spruced up a lot. Now, my other houses, I have four other houses that are rentals that are in you know my personal name for the loan, 30-year fixed. So I called up that mortgage company and asked the same things, like you know, with COVID nineteen here, I'm a little concerned about these next couple months. Is there any way we can do a, a loan deferment so that way I stay out of, out of trouble? And their answer was, well, no, but we can do a forbearance. And so now the legal definition of a forbearance is it's just an agreement with the banks saying that if you do this, we won't foreclose on you. And so with with uh, with what this bank was willing to do is they were willing to. Have me not make payments for three months, but then all four payments would come due at the same time that fourth month. That's exactly what
2: I got from my bank. Yeah,
6: Yeah. and so that I don't see how that helps a whole lot of people. So, uh, so I said thanks, no thanks on that one. But, uh, but yeah, and so I'm sure a lot of newer investors like myself. I mean, the easiest way to get going and investing, if you have a decent, you know, well-paying job, is to get a thirty-year fixed loan in your own name. I mean, especially now, like Mike said, with these rates being ridiculous, I wish banks would loan to me that way. Still, um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah. So I'm sure there's a lot of people that are in a similar boat where they're just starting out. They have two, three, four houses. They have thirty. They have you know loans on them. So I would say, you know, call your bank and you know ask for a deferment first, and just be up front and just know what you're asking for. And yeah, I mean, give it a shot. Why not? I mean can't hurt to ask
3: to clarify that a deferment would be putting the payments at the end of the loan and a the forbearance is having a temporary break in the payments and then they're all going to be due at once is that what you're saying that
6: that's what this bank did now other banks might make some other kind of arrangement and that's just you know the forbearance is just basically an arrangement with the bank um for me for me with my deferment for me it would be at the end of the loan because it's a 10-year balloon but if you had like a 30-year mm-hmm. fix out, I don't know if they would just, you know, reconfigure the payments. I know the interest part of the payment will be higher, so that might change your actual monthly due. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what I was told.
3: I'll let you okay. jump in one second, Mike. I just want to make the okay. point. It's very important that you listen to what Dave's saying, and when you call your bank or you talk to whoever – That you don't use verbiage that means something to you that means something completely different to the person you're talking to, right? Mm -hmm. That you go ask for forbearance, but what you really wanted was a deferment and they grant you what you asked for. And then you find out four months later or three months later, you have to make all four payments, right? Like I, I see this problem often, especially as a real estate agent who's helping to sell houses when we talk to clients or you're talking to a lender and you say, oh, this is an investment property. And in your head, what that meant was I'm buying it because I want it to be worth more money later. It's a good investment. What the lender heard was, oh, you're buying this to rent out. You have to put 25% down. That stuff can happen very easily. So specify in plain terms what you're looking for. Don't just throw around these fancy terms, trying to to look smart because you can get yourself in hot water. Did you want (laughs) to jump in now, Mike?
1: Yeah, I had a couple of things to add and uh, I work with investors uh, frequently. But here's a question I'd like for you to try on your uh, lenders Their day, the ones that are being nasty with you. Say, well, what if I just made interest only payments? Mm-hmm. If I made interest only payments, yeah. could I do that for three months? And then kick back in. And then of course the balance wouldn't drop, but we've had some success with that working with investors. And then the other thing I want to just, I can't emphasize as much as what David just said is just super important. Okay. If you hear the word forbearance okay if they use that word that'll be a red flag dig into it more find out exactly what they're talking about and then they'll talk about if so if you defer payments and then they use the word forbearance well then that means the unpaid payments got to be tacked on to when the next payment is due too you're going to have a big payment to make there and then the other word to look for or listen for is if you hear the word modification hit the pause button because what they'll do is they'll combine the forbearance and they'll talk about, yeah, we can do a, modif- a loan modification, which basically means you've got to reapply for a brand new loan and they're going to up the interest rate. It, it It's creating a brand new loan. So if you hear modification, it sounds, that's sort of kind of like a slick way to not tell you you're getting a new loan.
2: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so just be really careful about what we're like, get really good details from these lenders and what it is. Like David said, everyone's got their own little definitions here of what things mean. And So, make sure you guys aren't applying for something you shouldn't be
1: applying and if for. And you, if you don't understand it 100% and you're not clear, get with somebody who does understand it yeah. and find out exactly what it is. Because, uh, I mean, never mind, I'll shut up. <laughs> hey, 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 Chris, I want to jump into you real quick and ask
2: from the, because I mean, all of us are dealing with this, but you on a much grander scale with so many units, repairs and maintenance. How are you dealing with problems when they come up right now? Have you noticed a huge slowdown in people calling or because they're all at home now there's a huge uptick in people calling? And then how are you dealing with it?
0: To date, so since, you know, really, so we're talking three weeks in, we have have not seen a noticeable uptick in calls. One of the things that we are implementing is quality of life issues. So we're focusing heavily on quality of life when, and for instance, if there is a you know, you've got a major plumbing leak, if you've got a uh, AC unit that's gone out or a furnace that's gone out and depending on what the weather's like, you know, we are, we are making sure that we're addressing issues that are quality of life first. If they are minor, we're asking the resident to address those themselves and show us what they've done in that scenario. But, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's not just rental collection and are they, have they paid rent and where are we at in that cycle? But it's also, and I'm, I think it's probably where you're going is, it's the COVID nineteen. It's you know what's they don't want people in their houses or vendors don't want to go into yep. a house because they don't know you know it's a there's a lot of questions about what we can and what we can't do. So we instituted a policy with our residents of quality of life issues will be addressed immediately and the way that we always address them. And then you know there's a scale of the severity of the problem and is it going to damage the home itself, uh, such as a slow leak. Uh, <laughs> You may say, "Well, that's not that's not a quality of life issue, but it's going to lead to major damage to the home." So, there's um something that that Mike had said earlier, and I just want to say this just briefly. What we've had to do over the last three weeks is retrain our team. With a, there's a there's a new set of rules for operating right now, and so you know, with us, we've got a we've got a rather large team. There's probably a ton of landlords that are managing their own properties, and some that are small management companies that are listening to this. That are you know the this is very disruptive, not just in the, how are you going to do business, but how are you going to do business? How do you go about your day? So we've, we had to create brand new scripts. We had to train on, you know, train the team, go through role play so that they'd be prepared for the questions and the responses and the, you know, the way they're going to handle uh, scenarios that come up. And so with, with like repairs and maintenance, this is a big thing with a, with a large company like us, part of the way we've always done business is that rents, there was this cash flow cycle. And so Oftentimes, an owner wouldn't have to send in money to cover certain, you know, low-cost repairs or cert- up to a certain dollar point. But now that you don't know what's going to happen with rents, and you don't want to apply someone else's rent payment to the to repair on a different house, if that makes sense because of the cash flow. So now that's a that's a whole nother change and adjustment where now owners have to pay for repairs in advance to ensure that their particular bill is paid by their money and not by someone else's. Does that make sense? Did you follow all that with the, I mean, when you're talking about millions and millions of dollars moving and what we quickly recognized was if there's a hiccup in that and 60% of the rents are collected, which was this big fear that everybody had was would we only collect 60% of the rents and you did work on someone's house that no rent was collected on, you literally just used someone else's money to pay that.
3: So basically, your company would collect all the rents from all the properties, hold them in a sort uh, maybe this is probably not the right word, but like a fund or a, a account. And before they were paid out to all the owners and you kept your portion, some of that money could be made to pay for repairs, which was then reimbursed later. But now you're saying if all that money doesn't keep coming in and you're putting money out to make repairs that aren't for the specific property of the money that came in that person might not get their cash.
0: Well, you're having a way that, that money flows through a company. And so you don't have 6,000 different accounts for everybody, but you account for it in your software. So, you know, where money's all going. But if those bills never stop, the repairs never stop, and rents are not supposed to ever stop. So the money's always, there's no issue with it matching up until all of a sudden one day, no rent comes in. And then you have this list of yeah. bills here that needs to be paid. And, and so... What we had to institute was all owners it's something we'd never ever had to do before. They you have to pay for for repairs in advance to make sure that your residents properly taken care of and that there's you know you don't have funds that that move the wrong way if that makes sense. And so yeah, there's just this whole new way of having to do business today. And that was a great question there because it's not just does a res or does a vendor want to go into a home and do work, but it's man what work needs to be done? How is it paid for? how do you tell a resident that this is something that they need to take care of and they need to send you pictures and because it's not a quality of life issue and maybe they get reimbursed i mean it's it's created a whole new dynamic to how things operate yeah
3: and that's how every business is dealing with right now they're all trying to figure out can i keep employees on staff how many can i keep on staff who can i keep on staff who can, staff? Who can work from home how long can i keep them off it's tricky
0: yeah and it's going to that was the thing that we were i would say that we're still most concerned about right now is that even if you feel like you've got control of things right now, and the, like the data I gave you earlier, we feel good that we've got control of what's happening right now. We have no idea what's going to happen in May. We have no yeah. idea what's going to, is it going to
1: change and we've got to make more adjustments. So,
3: Mike, did you want to jump in?
1: Yeah, I've got so much on this repairs and maintenance. Okay. Number one, remember the TP scare? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So when that <laughs> happened, we did, we were proactive. And my resident manager fired out a text, an email, and a voicemail blast to every resident that the only thing that goes in your toilet is toilet paper, <laughs> nothing else. Okay. And if we catch something else or if our opponent pulls something else out, then it's you're going to have to pay for that. So, and we, we train all of our service techs uh, to take pictures of front of the house, back of the house. He took pictures of paper towel, a roll of paper towel sitting on the sink next to the toilet guess what he pulls out paper towels or baby wipes or whatever it is and all that when they pull that stuff out they take a picture of it and they're getting paid so once she did that boom we don't have any more so they're they're listening on that one there and another great opportunity i like what chris was talking about you got to make some adjustments and quality of life is very important but two things one thing i want to point out is how much before this coronavirus hit what was one of the most number one complaints that are questions that investors and landlords had? How to find good contractors? How to find good help? Nobody wants to work. Well, guess what? We just hired two guys that over 20 years experience HVAC where the HVAC company laid them off. Yeah. So now's a great time. I mean, it's a little bit frightening, okay? Because you're thinking, well, cash flow what have you? But you can get some good quality help. Right now, the people, the responsible people are hungry. They want to work. And uh, so take advantage. I'm getting of my that. whole deck That's...
2: stained right now because uh-huh. I'm getting my whole deck go. stained on my house right now because like <laughs> this guy's out of work. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, well, I need to whole Yeah.
3: The number of calls I had about business has dropped a lot, but they're all about, hey, are you thinking about changing industries? Do you want to get into real estate sales? I need a loan officer for this new company. Do you know any good loan officers? You got to think like that because Every single time that there's a change in standard operating procedure, something gets harder, but something else gets easier, right? Like opportunities don't just disappear. They just move. They go to a different place. In fact, I was having this thought the other day that like, we get a recession every seven to 10 years. People hear that all the time, but we never really talk about why. Like, why do we have to get a recession every seven to 10 years? And one of the reasons I think it happens is that We do things a certain way. Technology will catch up so that you, like the dot-com industry, everybody needed a website. If you could write code to make a website, you were just a god, right? Everyone needed you. We paid a bunch of money. Then software improved to the point that it wasn't hard to make a website anymore and they didn't need to pay people a lot of money. All those jobs went away. Boom, there's a recession. And you stay in a recession until those people go learn new skills. They get in a different industry. They become useful again. Now they start making money and then the economy goes up. It's a healthy thing to have these ups and downs. But my point would be, you need to understand that real estate investing is not different than any of these other jobs in an economy, things change. It's okay for things to change. There's gonna be things that that shift around. And what you're talking about is like a really good example of that. The people who recognize, oh, the opportunity is somewhere else and make the move faster are the ones that tend to do better.
1: I got one more that nobody's never heard of yet. Okay, Okay, I'll bet you. Okay, they're talking about all this, the CARE Act and all this kind of relief money and this and that. I was thinking, well, wait a minute. I know Chris has this, and I know Brandon has this. I'm not sure if Dave Peppelmeyer, nice. did I say that right? Yes. Okay, <laughs> good. I'll hit a home run. All right, or Dave Green. But I've got a business insurance policy. So I'm a broker as well, and I don't do listings. I'm not interested in that. But I have to be a broker to have my own in-house property management company that might want to manage properties for others for a fee. So some of the risk I have is, all right, I asked my – my insurance agent before I hired him, all right, if, if I send somebody over to a house that I don't own and they, they fall and trip and get injured, does my insurance cover that? He said, I don't know. I said, so go find out. So he does. So I've got this big business policy for my C corp for my property management company. And I asked him, I said, uh, Ferentz is his name. He's from Hungary. I said, I got business insurance, right? And he goes, yeah. I said, what about the uh, loss of income? or business loss, And just about three or four days ago, I heard Trump talking about that. He says, I got insurance for that. And uh, I don't remember what part he was talking about. So I called up my insurance agent. Don't send them an email. Don't call their office and talk to some CSR person. That's their helper because they'll bang it in your account. And that inquiry will kill your insurance code. Just like a driving record. Talk to your insurance agent and ask them. He says, you know what, Mike? He says, you're not the only one that's asked that. And our leaders, our wizards in the sky, but corporate, uh, they're going over that right now and see what they can put together. So I think it's a brand spanking new one and they're not going to offer it to people. You're, it's going to be up to us to be you know, proactive, reach out there and ask them about that. And he seems to think we're going to get something for it.
2: Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I'd never even, never even thought about the uh, la- lack of income, lack of income insurance, or what do you call it, lack of, or... I've uh,
1: called it a, a business loss or loss of income yeah. or I don't know. I don't know, but, uh, I think everybody here knows what we're talking about. Yeah. So ask them, yeah. ask them and see if, if you've got a business policy that you might have a line in there that says something like that. They really don't want to, you know, point out to you. Yeah. It makes sense. Well, they, Cause if I had hell damage, I've never had an insurance agent call me up and say, Hey, how many you got yeah. Mike? Yeah, that's
2: true. <laughs> you, you gotta be proactive about it. I like that. That's a good. Yeah. That's a good tip. Hey, Dave, Dave, what about you uh, in terms of repairs, maintenance, anything you're seeing right now in your, in your business?
6: No, I mean, not, not a whole lot of change. I mean, once again, with eight houses, you know, we get the small stuff once in a while. Uh, yeah. But I still, you know, once again, just from a customer service, you know, keeping, keeping my tenants happy. And once again, it's kind of like comfort food right now. You know, when you call up your, your landlord, your owner and say, hey, you know, this step's almost ready to break. Yeah, we'll get there tomorrow. And, and I, ha- I am very fortunate. In fact, I have, <laughs> speaking of staying the deck, um, I have my, uh, my trusted HVAC guys at my house right now because I'm getting, uh, I'm getting exhaust revented because I'm putting a bathroom in my garage because I'm living in my garage right now as a physical therapist. And so, um, but yeah, so it's just, we have great HVAC guys. We found some great plumbing guys. So we're really getting our, our core team kind of set up. And so, so once again, you know, I have the ability being small enough to really still do all the little stuff and and not yeah. have it kill me. so that's nice.
2: that makes sense. La- last week, my my tenant, we'll call him my tenant Ryan Murdoch. you guys know about who I'm talking about, who's listening to the show right now. uh Ryan lives uh in Hawaii here. He runs my mobile home park business, and Ryan actually is sort of my tenant. He lives in like the extra house, the mother-in-law house, or whatever you want to call it, my um, property. anyway, so he call- he comes down and he's like, dude. Uh, it rained last night, and I got a hole in my roof. We knew it was there for a while, but it got real bad. He's like, it was just pouring in. He's like, I gotta get this thing taken. We gotta get it taken care of today. I was like, all right. And I'm thinking, who do I call for that? And I'm like, you know what would be more more fun? Me and Ryan on a roof. So, so we literally, in flip flops, <laughs> went on his roof up on the second story, and we completely re uh, re uh, whatever you call it, shingled a good chunk of his roof. And you know what? I didn't I didn't have to do that. And there's no lesson in there other than it made me feel like a man. That was it. I was just like other than hey, everyone
3: needs to recognize it. Brandon is is manly and That's what it was. It was like I can, than you are.
2: I can handle this. So sometimes yeah. there's my here's my lesson I'm gonna pull out of that. Sometimes it's okay to do your own work, David, because it makes you feel like a man. I felt like William Wallace. That's what it was. And then I watched Braveheart that um, night.
3: If that's what you need mm, of to course. Make you feel like a man, then yeah, I support it, man. Like whatever it takes, <laughs> testosterone replacement therapy, that's, roof I'll, replacement I'll do it all. therapy. <laughs> chris Cl- chris clothier showed up in a pink shirt today to let us all know that he's a man right that's kind of a common theme of what's going on here
0: i'm telling you yeah now i'm gonna put a roof on later but i am wearing pink now so
3: <laughs> i think putting a roof on in pink is the ultimate mm. boss move that's, i don't think it's right? a bad idea
2: 100. percent. well we all know chris is a man he runs like you know super long races so you're more of a man than me chris it's good
5: this show is sponsored by airbnb Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Want to dive deep into commercial real estate, entrepreneurship, leadership, and the economy? Tune into the Walker webcast hosted by the CEO of Walker & Dunlop, one of the largest commercial real estate finance and advisory services firms in the nation. As an unparalleled leader in commercial real estate, CEO Willie Walker frequently appears as an expert on major platforms like CNBC and the New York Times. He's even been on the Bigger Pockets podcast network, too. On the Walker webcast, you'll hear from guests like A-Rod, renowned economist Dr. Peter Linneman, and experts from Walker & Dunlop's capital markets, research, and investment sales groups. So fire up the Walker webcast on your favorite podcast app, or join live on Wednesdays to see Willie interact with his guests. Plus, you can always catch the replay on demand afterward. Stay ahead of the curve with Insights for Life from the Walker webcast. Learn more and subscribe to the Walker webcast at walkerdunlop, And be sure to follow Walker and Dunlop on all your favorite social media channels,
7: too. That's walkerdunlop.com slash pockets. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges. 1031 Exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one, and avoiding the tax man while you do it. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. You've heard us talk about it before.
5: High interest rates are crushing real estate investors, leaving even some of the best investors in need of funding now. But with today's liquidity crisis, who can fill the demand? slash pockets. This is a paid endorsement for Fundrise. Past performance is not indicative of future results. All investments can lead to loss. All
2: right, guys, I want to move to uh, opportunity. We mentioned opportunity. We mentioned the the shift. So I want to know, what do you guys think for the future? Where is this headed? What kind of both challenges and opportunities are we going to see? And obviously, none of us know. This is pure speculation. We don't know if this is any next week or next month or 18 months from now.
3: But you will be quoted exactly for you, what you say you and size yeah. if it's <laughs> yeah. not perfectly correct. Yep, and if Full you offend somebody,
2: John Oliver will be you know, doing a segment on you. So <laughs> what, what do you expect the future to look like here going forward? What's changing about our
0: industry? Whoever wants to jump in first, feel free. Well, which industry are you talking about? Are you talking about the, go, the management real estate?
2: Oh, it's just real estate in general, we'll say. Real estate investing in general. So whether it's from the management side or you know, flippers, wholesalers, rentals, real estate investors in general.
0: I'll keep it really short in that I don't like, none of us knows, as you said, what is going to change about our particular industry. But I do, I do believe that just like every other real estate cycle in the past, it'll all be local and you will see dips. You'll see some markets that won't have any disruption at all. But what will remain the same is that the, I'll use the word intelligent and I'll use it loosely, the intelligent investor. Who is willing to be patient and diligent in the way they're going to invest and they understand what they're doing and why they're doing it, they will have no problem. This will not be a disruption for them. They will continue on doing what they've always done. There's there's opportunity to invest today. It'll be there tomorrow. It'll be there months from now, but it's going to go to the people that are, as I just said, in my opinion, that are patient and diligent with what they're doing there, and they have a purpose behind their investing. I guess the other thing that remains true is that those that aren't will make some bad decisions and some will lose money and some will lose investments. And, you know, I I think that what's funny about real estate is that it always, whether it's changing, it always remains the same. What you, you know, those that are smart with their decision making and do it purposefully will be okay. And those that don't may not. That's probably not the answer you were looking for as far as the
4: (laughs) the stacks, but uh,
0: that answer won't get me in trouble though, David Green. You you can't quote me on that one later. I was, I was spot on no matter what happens. You've got a <laughs> career in politics, Chris. That I was thinking that as you were talking. And I'm like, look
3: at this artful Dodger just making his way, using so many words yet saying nothing at the same time. <laughs> I've got a
2: lot of practice.
1: <laughs> Mesmerizing.
2: <laughs> what about you guys, Dave? Mike?
1: Yeah, all right, what do you got? Here's what I see, okay? So right now we're in the midst of something we've never seen before. And the are we've had an economic meltdown for the most part. And so what's going to happen whenever we start to come out of this, as much as everybody wants to, they're not going to be able to flip a switch and we go back to the way it was the day all this started. So we're going to have a lot of folks going to have a lot of problems. So I do encourage you to find resources to cash, stockpile cash, you know, do some cash out refis because here's where the opportunity, I think for a lot of investors, especially those who want to grow their business, think about for how many years have the interest rates for homeowners been super low? My daughter is at 2.9% something fixed for 30. Okay. If they hit the wall and they and their business just evaporates and disappears that they can't make a payment of any kind. So if you've got some cash, you can step in and jump the loan and buy that property and hopefully put them in another one of yours. If you're going to jump a loan, and take over payments on somebody's loan there. Don't let them stay in the house because I did that one time and that was a big mistake. Just imagine because I was trying to be nice, be helpful, and they stopped paying the rent. And I go to a victim and the judge, they show up with an attorney says, how can you evict my client when they still got a loan on the property? So that was ugly. So if you're going to jump along, take over payments, make them move, they can't stay there. And uh, if you got cash, you, you're there's just going to be a boatload of those coming down the pike. And that's a future opportunity that that I see that's going to be a no-brainer.
6: All right. What do you think, Dave? Well, kind of being, you know, hyper-specific being around the University of Toledo and student housing, you know, I guess my fortunes are tied to do my, do my students go back to school next fall? Um, I mean, if, if you can do school online, I guess our biggest concern is do the students that we have signed leases for for next year, do they actually show up and move in? So, uh, but Honestly, I think one thing that we saw in the 2007, 8, 9 recession was everything collapsed. So what do parents tell your kids? Go to school so you get a good job. So hopefully, you know, the, the enrollment stays up. And then once again, just our non-student tenants, you know, same things as you guys, you know, just, you know, I'm hoping that they, you know, keep jobs, they, they can keep payments, you know, hopefully their mom or dad can help out. So, so, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, once again, I'm trying to keep plowing forwards. We're still looking for things that are, that are coming on, on the market. And so, yeah, I wasn't around for the 2007, eight, you know, fiasco slash opportunity. And so if this is going to be another one of those, it's one of those where, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little scary, especially, you know, being a newer investor and I still have a job and everything, but yeah, it's, 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 I just want to keep my eyes open and just, and once again, we have kind of a mission being from the university, from Toledo, things like that. And Toledo is a great place to invest. I mean, it's—I mean, this is a great town. And like I said, my residents have been great through all of this. No one's been saying, "Oh, I'm going on a strike" or anything like that. People have been really cool through all this, so that's 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 helped a lot.
2: Yeah, that's cool. I gotta...
3: you've kind of been in the epicenter of this whole thing. Do you in want to home? share your opinion on how you think, like the whole crazy <laughs> COVID real estate? scare. I mean, to be fair, we all look to you for strength, certainty, <laughs> and hope in these uncertain times. I'm sure And you so did. I'd like to hear what your thoughts are on how you think real estate's going to change.
2: Oh, wow, you're funny. I actually was just going to ask you the same question. I wasn't going to be as condescending about it. Well, first of all, okay. So here's the question I was going to pose to you guys and I will pose it to you. I, I'm I'm just curious, if, like, like vote it will vote here. Do you think this whole thing is going to, cause we've said it before that op, like companies who have always required their office workers to work in an office, all of a sudden now we're being forced to do it at home. So are they going to go, oh my gosh, we can work from home. Why am I paying office rent? And that's going to just decimate office buildings across the country. Or it going to be the opposite. Everyone's like, I'm so tired of being at home. I'm never working at home. I'm going back to work with my friends cause they're all at work. I'm tired of my kids right now. Right? So I'm wondering the same thing for students, kids in school, right? So Dave with you, are people going to be like, oh my gosh, I can do school from home. Why did I ever go to college? Or is it gonna be like, I miss my friends. I'm going like, why would I ever do homeschool, home college? So what do you guys think? Is it, which way is the economy moving? And then I'll, I'll offer my thoughts.
6: Well, I think from the, from the university point, no one wants to do classes online. Um, okay. I've, been, I've been doing a, a couple of things at houses here and there before all the lockdowns hit, And I was taught and a group of guys are uh, there in chemistry. It's like, how do you do your lab online? I mean, you can't, you know? And so, uh, so, I, so, so I, I think, I think for, the, for the university kids, they, they do not want to do things online <laughs> at <That's funny>. all.
2: <laughs> what do you think, Mike and Chris? I'll we'll go Mike first. Are people gonna, Are people gonna shift away from offices and schools or is this all just gonna blow over?
1: Well, I'm gonna steal a phrase from Chris. <laughs> he talked about the intelligent investor, the intelligent business owner. I think with zoom meetings, okay. Uh, their stock is just blown through the roof, but I think yeah. the intelligent business owner investor are going to now see how they can, uh, can, can work from home, work for my business. And I think those folks are definitely going to implement that. Uh, especially if there's some way for them to, you know, use a zoom meeting or something to make sure that they're not piddle farting around or outside, you know, shooting a neighbor's dog or something. But, uh, uh, but I think other folks are going to say, no, you know, I got to have people in my office. So I don't know which way that that's going to go. It's an excellent question. That's, uh, and it's pretty, um, I have no idea. Okay. I've got yep. folks that work from home and they live in one in Missouri and one in uh, uh, Georgia. And uh, they've always worked from home.
0: What do you think, Chris? I think you're going to see the start of uh, that transition to more working from home, more mobile, you know, officing or whatever they, whatever you want to call it, the outside the of the traditional office space. My dad is still our CEO and he is very old school and he will never go to work from home. This is killing him right now. It is, it is, uh, it, it, but he's, he's super old school. I mean, that's his, that's his way. He wants to see people. He wants to interact with everybody that works for us, our team, part of it is to hold them accountable. And part of it is because he's very, that's just the way he was brought up. That's the way he's been in business for however many years now. He's been working for 50 something years. He's like, this is, that's just him. And so like, I mean, he said it to us again. He's like, I, we will never be a work, totally work remote. But I think that you're going to start seeing some of the younger generation, younger business owners, those that are, That are coming up in this environment that are going to say, "Hey, this is—I mean, if this can work, why would we take on that expense?" And there, it's not just rent, but it's everything—it's the utilities, it's the insurance, it's every little piece that comes onto it. If I can just take a little piece of that with a Zoom account or whatever other you know Slack and Salesforce and every other you know different way of monitoring what my team does, I think you—I think you're you're going to start to see the slow transition of of more and more people working remotely. You know, my. My, this is an, an,
2: an analogy. Watch out, David Green. There's an analogy coming. Uh-oh. All right. So my dad is retired, but he still goes back to work occasionally, like, uh, you know, up until the last couple of weeks uh, to work at his old job. They hire him back. But like, because he just wants extra money and he's got some time to kill. So I asked my dad, I'm like numerous times, why don't you just go drive for Uber or go drive for Uber? Like you'll make more money than you're making at your job. And it's way more fun. Like you'd probably actually enjoy because my dad's a talker. He loves talking. And you'd meet all these cool people, you drive around, make work when you want work, you know, and he's like, I don't understand that, that, that technology thing. You know, like I don't know how to use the Uber. I don't know, uh, whatever. But if suddenly he was forced to go and drive Uber for a week or two weeks or three weeks, he would realize, oh my gosh, Uber is so much better than what I was doing. And he would be an Uber driver. I guarantee it. In fact, I might even when next time he comes out here for like a month next winter, just like set him up and take him out and show him how to become an Uber driver because I think he would just love it. So it would require something to be forced upon him for him to be able to do that. I think that's what this is going to cause is a lot of forced action that's going to change behavior long-term. Things like shopping on, I think Amazon was already a powerhouse. I think Amazon is going to become 10 times the powerhouse that it already was. I think, I, I think. Uh, what's the guy who runs that thing? The, the billionaire? Bezos. I his name. Bezos. 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 Bezos, yeah, right? That guy, like, I think $100 billion net worth is nothing compared to what his net worth will be in five years from now. So I think- things like that are going to force those office buildings. I do think are going to struggle. Like not all of them. It's not like a hundred percent are going to close, but I think if you saw a 10 or 15, 20% drop in the next couple of years in the offices, I think that's entirely possible. Right. Um, I think that uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I think nursing homes are in trouble. I would not send my parents to a nursing home right now because I would worry about future viruses and how quick they spread throughout them. I think that, but like David, you said, there's shifting opportunities. Not that like they're not going anywhere. So I think there's opportunity for more like uh, the mother-in-law houses, like what Hawaii does and California does a lot is the extra unit. I think there's a lot of opportunity for that. I think those like box houses, you know, that like come in on a trailer and they like set them up in like a, a day later, yeah. they got a, a house. <laughs> yeah, those things, I think there's a huge opportunity. a dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> a, dump, a dumpster that unfolds into a house. I think, I, like there's some crazy cool stuff out there. I think there's opportunity there. You know, I think, I think that's it. So uh, David, what do you think? I'm gonna ask you though, Green, what do you think? People I, look to I, you just, for hope and for oh, yeah, there it is. trust and they want to know what you think, David, because they just hero. come
3: to me when the line to talk to you is too long. And they're like, <laughs> oh, I'll just I'm like the other like in and out looks too long. I'm just going to go to Carl's Jr. So that's what I'm have to. <laughs> i actually it's, what's funny you said is I have a listing coming to the market like in a week or so here and with it is coming an RV that is it's in working order. It comes with the house and he's renting out the RV for a thousand dollars a month. So there's the house. There's a studio that they rent for like fifteen or two thousand dollars a month, and then an RV that also is a thousand. So it's going to be right, like ten minutes from Facebook, really close. And whoever buys it's going to spend like fifteen hundred dollars a month to live there. Which out here they yeah. would be spending five or six thousand dollars. That's what your mortgage would be. Yep. So yeah, I do agree with you. Like I'm looking actively for more ways to keep housing costs low. What I think that the coronavirus is going to do is it's going to signal the beginning of the end of the I get paid by the hour structure that we have right now with business in general. I think everybody here that's a business owner, I see Chris nodding his head, he knows where I'm going with this, knows that that plan, I guess, of paying people that way was developed from uh, like a factory where you sit on an assembly line and you sit there and you put things together. And so they knew you were working, otherwise your assembly line would get stacked up and it's continued. But now you can have an employee that goes in the office and does three things the entire day and you don't often see it because they get paid by the hour, and it brings this mindset that because I'm here, I deserve to get paid, and if I have to work when I'm here, well, I'm doing extra. But from a business owner perspective, we all we care is I have a task that needs to get done. I would happily pay somebody per task, and they could make more per hour than paying somebody per hour and trying to have to manage and supervise and make sure they're doing the thing that they need. So especially with a business like mine, that's a pretty good size, but it's not so big that I need a full-time accountant. And a full-time web person and a full-time like a lead source. Like the leads come in and they determine who's gonna get this lead or how are we gonna follow up with it. I don't need like there's not enough for one person to do one job. But if I hire one person to do all those jobs, now I gotta just watch them all day long to make sure that they're doing something. There's plenty of opportunity to work from home if you're productive. If you're good at what you do, if you're the so good they can't ignore you, and you can convince a company because all the company cares about is that project gets completed that thing that they need done gets done there they don't need to pay you per hour and, and what i'm getting at is the only reason they make you come into the office is to make sure you're working right that's that's why be there if you don't have to be there you could be at home it's because so many people won't work if they're at home so if we move away from the pay per hour and we get into the pay per project well then it's on you you could be at starbucks you could be at your house you could be at the beach you could be in the office you could do whatever the heck you want as long as you're getting it done so i don't think this is going to happen right away but i think that this is starting us down that path to breaking that reliance on the dollar per hour pay structure and getting into a a, a dollar per task. Deep,
0: I like that. Deep. I just took a lot of notes there, David Green. You, you're. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna use a lot of what you just said in my future uh, <laughs> arguments for having Chris. to get getting moving away from this uh, hourly stuff because you're right. This is yeah. it's just nuts. And I and I've said what you just said, and it's interesting because right now this is going to force many companies to institute a policy. of I'm not paying you to show up mm-hmm. like, and, and I love what you said okay. about, you know, people take that, take the hourly income is, is what they're getting paid to show up and work's going to cost you extra. Yeah. I mean, if you yeah, want me to do yeah. something, I want you to pay me more. <laughs> but I thought you just told me to pay me to walk through the door and that's, right. it's so interesting. It's so interesting that you just said that because that's an argument I've been making the last couple of weeks that we, there's just like this, there needs to be a fundamental shift in the way that, that businesses, especially, you know, big ones like, like mine that have a team of over a hundred people, just how they, they operate. And to Brandon's point, this new work from home environment, is that going to change? Is that going to change, you know, the way people are paid for performance rather than paying just to, you know, have a hold a place, a desk in an office.
1: I think Jeff Bezos has already implemented that and, and verifies what David's thinking here, because didn't they take a lot of their drivers, their employees and set them up, gave them 10,000 bucks in a van and, Turn them into independent contractors mm-hmm. and uh, they get paid by by the piece or by their results. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's huge.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah I 100% agreed. I think that's where the world's moving. I think that also, one final note is I think more and more people, at least I hope that they're going to start thinking this way. I think mo- I hope more and more people start realizing I cannot rely one, I can't live paycheck to paycheck forever. I can't rely on this job forever. Like, because like even people who thought they had a, a super secure job, you know, even like, yeah, I work at a restaurant. People always need to eat, all of a sudden don't have that. And so my hope is that this becomes a wake up. I think that, uh, you know, books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad are gonna come in really handy right now. I think a lot of people are gonna read that and go, oh, now I understand why this is important, why financial freedom's important. So if anything, I think our industry is going to, like from a education standpoint, is going to see an explosion in the future. Same with any online business, like people learning to code, people learning to to be consultants, like all that stuff. I think people will be like, oh, because... Like, I mean, like if you b- hear what like a lot of the, the really smart people are saying is this COVID thing going on right now isn't the end. This is an increasing problem with like SARS and H1N1 and like, now this, like what happens when the next thing doesn't have a 2% kill rate? It's got a 12% kill rate or a 30% right. kill rate, right? Like, and like that stuff is likely in our, like, in our lifetime. I I think that the fear before was terrorism was going to kill us all. And now I think the fear is, you know, hugging your neighbor is going to kill us all. And so uh, <laughs> I think, yeah. That's yeah, maybe it's uh, just that's the handshake shift. that goes away. <laughs> the only thing that changes <laughs> yeah. in 2020
3: is nobody shakes hands anymore. Nobody shakes hands,
2: yeah. We just <laughs> got to bring the Hawaiian shaka for everything. Like, Hawaiians figured it yeah. out years yeah. ago. We just like, hey, man, what's up, brother? Say, right. Save lives with the shaka. Yeah, save lives with the shaka. There you go. All right, guys. Well, we got to get out of here in a little bit. So one, I want to ask one more question from each of you. I'm, I'm curious, and then we'll kind of do some wrap-up where people can get to know you more and reach out. But first, I'm just curious, if you had to speak directly to a landlord right now. Think of our average user right now. Our average listener out of the quarter million, some people who listen to the show is probably, you know, youngish, you know, I would say between 25 and 45, they have a few rental properties, maybe five, 10 rental properties that they manage themselves, or maybe they have a property manager, but they're fairly, I don't call it hands-on, but they're at least involved, right? That's our, our most likely person who's listening. What do you say to them right now? Whether it's advice, warning, encouragement, whatever. What would you guys say to those people listening right now who are just newer landlords or just like, yeah, you know, the average American under 10 ownership landlord? Chris, you want to go first? You're, yeah. You're, yeah. That's fine. Whoever.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, I'll tell you straight up that I, I wrote this in a forum on the, uh, the bigger pox forms a couple, I mean, a few days ago that it's not too late to plan many people that i spoke with directly uh, froze just as we were talking about the the as mike was mentioning the resident that freezes when they're you know scared or don't know what to do we saw a lot of business owners I, I spoke to a lot of small management companies i spoke to a lot of individual landlords that did not know what to do they also didn't have a good you know group of mentors around them they didn't have anybody to bounce ideas off of and you know, as I mentioned, we're in there having these heated debates on what to do. So we had all these different ideas flying around. So it was easy to make a decision. Whereas somebody else, when all those ideas are flying around their head, they don't, you know, a lot froze. So my biggest thing is it's not too late. You you have to prepare for what's coming next. You have to prepare mm-hmm. for, and and I said it, that there could be 10 different plans you have. You've got, you know, the worst case scenario to the best case scenario and everything in between. And if, you know, if a resident does this and I'm going to do this, and if they react this way, I need to do that. I mean, you, you have time, but you have to spend time preparing. I've, I've been telling people these last few weeks that I'm actually very optimistic. I'm very encouraged and I have a lot of confidence in, you know, what's going to happen next, especially when it comes to our company. And I told them that the, the reason why is because we've spent so much time preparing, that we're not going to be surprised. No matter what happens, we will not be surprised in May or in June. Uh, sales go up, sales go down, rents go up, rents go down, whatever happens with the with the maintenance, you know, calls go through the roof, calls stop, it doesn't matter. No matter what comes our way, we've prepared for it and we've, you know, prepared our team for it. So for if you're a landlord, if you're a small business owner, if you're, you know, no matter what it is and you may be stuck in this idea of what's going to happen next, well you don't know the answer to that, and neither do we. No one does. But you, what you can do is control how you react, and you you prepare yourself, you know, kind of through stoicism, by accepting accepting that the worst case scenario can occur, and if it does, how do you react? And if you have already prepared for that on the front end, uh, it makes it easier anyway to to take action and function each day. If you haven't prepared and haven't thought about it. I mean, it's almost like it. It's almost like the the lack of preparing just starts snowballing. So, my big thing to everybody was, it's even whatever today's date is. Today's the thirteenth. It's not too late. Uh, yeah. Start now. Start today. Start tonight. It, it's okay. You know, you're you're breathing. You're you're still alive and kicking. So, go to work preparing for what how you are going to be prepared. That's my my best advice, I
2: guess. Can I expand real quick on what you said there? Just uh, offer some commentary. So a couple of weeks ago, you know, back when I, I put out the first video on Bigger Pockets a few weeks ago that went, I don't know, called viral, but it has a couple hundred thousand views now. Uh, and it was basically, here's my five point plan. In fact, I, I might even see, in fact, I'm just going to say it. We'll put uh, the actual video, the audio from the video at the end of this podcast episode so you guys can hear it uh, of what my five point plan is. We've already talked about all the stuff today. I'll just have Kevin throw the audio on the end of this episode uh, when it's done. But But basically, that was my wife and I sitting down for 20 minutes, looking at each other going, okay. What are we going to do if, and I was just going through it. And honestly, we didn't know the answer. Like, like I might act confident with this. Like I'm going to regret saying this, but like, I'm just as like, I have no idea what's coming. Right. But just having a plan made both of us feel so much better. And then now hundreds of thousands of other people feel better because I had a plan, like who have watched this video now. Cause it's like, it's more important to have a plan than to have the perfect plan. Right. Just to like, okay, now I feel like I'm, I'm good. If we have to adjust the plan later, great. At least we have something we can adjust. But if you're just like out there, like, oh, I don't know what's going on? Yeah, so I love that you said that, Chris. Good stuff, man. All right,
1: Mike. All right, my turn. I got some things. It's awesome right. stuff there, Chris. And uh, same with you, Brandon. And I know you're getting ready to wrap it up. I've just, I've had a blast on here. You guys are awesome and sharp. And everybody listening to all these guys here, this is what it takes, okay? But a uh, couple of things I just jotted down. And I would say make education. I want you to budget education just like you do insurance or property taxes or anything else. I'm still learning every day, and I have education in my budget for what I'm going to, what I want to learn more about. And I'm sure each of you guys do that too. So make that part of your budget, and then uh, goals. Okay, you got to listen to Bigger Pockets like you're doing right now, and that is a that's a very important part of your education. And this stuff works. And I'm going to just change a little bit differently with what Chris said. I mean, he's he hit a bullseye. Failing to plan is planning to fail. And so I have, and of course I have a staff. I know Chris has a staff and, and you guys, Dave's probably on his own, but I have a meeting every week with my staff at 12 noon on Mondays to review what happened last week. And so everybody's on the same page as we move forward of not only what's coming up this week, but coming up in the future. And I would say this one, I like this avoid bad advice, especially from poor people. So, (laughs) and I can't, and I know everyone's going to agree with me, but how many times has somebody said, well, my uncle who said he had a rental house, he told me, blah, 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 blah. Well, is that really who you want to look at the noise? Look at that head that that noise is coming out of. Do you admire that? Is that what you want to be when you grow up? No. Okay. And Brandon said this, basically prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Okay. And if you combine all of those things that I got a book you want you to read, if you haven't, who moved my cheese, that's what we're at mm, right now. Yeah. A little 10 minute book. You can read it real fast. That thing is awesome. And it'll yeah. help give you some insight about what's going on right now in our world and everything in, in America. Well, in fact, the world, uh, with all this Corona stuff,
2: uh, I love that you said that book because that that is exactly what's going on right now. The entire yeah. world's cheese was just moved, and <laughs> like that book is such a perfect analogy for what's going on. Yeah, yeah, and it's a fast, it easy
1: read. Okay, and if you don't it like is, reading, yeah. well, then get the audio version and play yeah. it on your phone on your nightstand next to your bed, and you get it through osmosis. Uh, yeah, that's a uh, so education. Fill to the plan goals. You got to set goals in addition to planning. The uh, in, in addition to planning you got to set some goals. So you you got to take a financial snapshot of where you're at now, along with your lifestyle and everything else, and then do a financial snapshot of where you want to be in three to five years. Okay. And now you got a point A and you got a point B and now you, you know, the shortest way to get from point A to point B is draw a straight line. And now you know what you got to do and just put some mile markers on there, measure yourself, make your, hold yourself accountable. And if you're not good at that, get somebody on here that, that will. You know, I'm sure Dave or, or Brandon or Dave or, or uh Chris, anybody. I mean, make some have a private confidential accountability partner to help you achieve your goals of what you want to do. Who was it? Dave said Dave Pep Peppelmeyer. He he's on the board <laughs> of a real estate investor group. You know, join one of those. You're gonna get local updates mm-hmm. on what's going on in your town, whether it's fair housing laws, everything like that. And and that affects everything in our real estate industry. So I'll shut up, I'm done. Thank you, Brandon and Dave.
2: (laughs) That's good, man. All right, Dave, what what do you got? Final advice for those listening.
6: Well, so so once again, kind of coming out of the newer investor, you know, once again, with eight houses and adding more, I guess the biggest thing that I did in the early, early days was like Mike said, it's just learn. I mean, you're not gonna know everything. I, we were talking before the call started. This is a shameless plug for Mike again. I'm with uh, I'm with Brandon. I Mike's uh, Mike's landlording system was the first major purchase I made, and you know at the time it was like, oh my god, I'm, I'm sliding this credit card for how much? Um, but you know what? <laughs> it, you you need a system and so so that has helped me tremendously it's just it's read the books i mean i'm sure on bigger pockets we have we have lists of you know resources and suggestions i mean asking the forums it's like hey you know i'm i just bought my first house now what 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 should i read now and it is it's, it's all mindset luckily i've had some pretty good mentors in my life and in my past too not just in real estate but other financial you know friends family things like that on the good side you know, I've had people say, oh, my God, you're investing. Where? Are you? <laughs> yeah, well, actually, as a physical therapist, I've actually dropped down from a full-time PT to a part-time PT in the last six months so I could focus more time on my rentals. Yeah, that's awesome. And so my wife's a realtor, and so she was doing all the day-to-day stuff with, trying, with tenants and with trying to do her real, her real estate stuff, as well as be a mom of three kids. And it's like, you know what? Something's got to change. And so, uh, so I made the jump down to part-time, but even though we have less, you know, W2 money coming in, I am loving life so much more. I mean, this is fun. And really, yeah. I mean, if, if, if this isn't kind of fun to you, if you didn't like playing Monopoly when you were a kid, then it might be a little harder, but even through this big old hiccup here, I, in, internally, I feel all right, because I know that we've learned the business the right way, we have our systems in place, you know, my wife and I have had a conversation of, well, what if one, two, three houses stop paying? Okay, we'll still break even now. And yeah. at this point, it's okay. I'm not going to be making millions of dollars right now, but setting a foundation for a pretty decent income that I can either pass on to my kids or just let it ride. And I'm happy with that. So so just keep going. It's weird right now, but if you're not going to buy something, yes, learn. Buy the books, read the, read the articles, just feed your brain.
2: That's awesome, man. All right, David, let's let's close it up with you. What's your what's your final advice for people listening right now?
3: I think one obvious piece has been reserves matter, right? One of the ways that I didn't mention, I think this is going to change is there's been a lot of, I'm not sure if I want to invest in real estate, but it kind of seems cool. So I'm going to do it because it's cool. This is going to shake some of those people out because now they get a taste of the fear that the experience people actually have to live with. It's not just cool all the time. There's yeah. actually, it can be scary too. So that's one way. And the advice that I would give to people is, We talk about looking for an opportunity that has a barrier to entry. You want to get involved in things that are hard to get into. And when you're just accepting that right off the bat, you don't worry when this happens. I've never for one second thought, oh, my God, why did I invest in real estate when this whole scare came? And throughout a lot of this, we still don't know how it's going to go. But the initial the world is ending, the sky is falling, what is going on has turned into a difference. And I think most of these guys said between like eight and 11 percent. Of tenants not paying their full rent. It's not a huge, huge, I think one of them was even at like 4% different, Chris said, between this year and last year. And there could be things that do completely shake it up and they do make it different. But overall, if you're living beneath your means, if you're smart with your money, if you're making good sound investments, if you're buying properties in good areas, if you're buying good properties, if they're cash flowing, you don't really need to worry about a whole lot. So when this happens, I just go right back to the fundamentals. Was I starting to get a little sloppy with the fundamentals that I was following? This will help me tighten it right back up again. The people who end up getting hurt are going to be the sloppy ones. And so that's the only advice that I would give is just like, this should not catch you off guard. This should not freak you out. You should not panic. If you had your emotions affected that much by what if people stopped paying rent for a little while, you probably didn't understand real estate investing in the first
2: place. All right. All right, my, my quick advice is work out every day. It's too easy to like get at home and get no exercise in whatsoever and you just start feeling more and more down. You start scrolling yeah. Facebook. You get a bunch of really, really just negative stuff coming all day, a bunch of fake news. And like pretty soon, you just like, you're not doing anything with your life. So get up, get some blood pump and get your workout in. And
3: uh, What are you doing be, for workouts right now, Brandon?
2: I do different stuff every day. Like pretty much every oh. day. I'm, I'm, I'm about kettlebell this morning. Ryan's trying to get me into kettlebell workouts. Workout, so I don't know. That's my thing. What about you? Lifting cows?
3: Climb on on roofs. I change myself (laughs) and I pat myself on the the back in front of as many people as I can. That's what I did. Carrying tar up and down a ladder in the hot Hawaiian sun. uh, (laughs) That's what you do.
2: That's what you do. All right. I'm glad glad that's what you're
5: doing.
3: Uh, I like that. What I really am doing is super simple. Everybody can do it. You watch TV, and when there's a commercial, you do an exercise. You can do air squats, you can do push-ups, you can do leg raises, you can do sit-ups, huh? like not that much. Um, but if you just do that for like a couple hours in a row, you will have gotten a workout and it won't feel like a workout. You're not gonna have to like carve out an hour of time and kill yourself. Yeah. It keeps the blood flowing, keeps you in a good mood because it's easy to get into a bad funk when you're just sitting at home looking at all day. That's or go, you, you know, change a roof when when there's nothing on.
2: There you go. You gotta, you gotta you gotta find a way to feel like a man. Or a woman. All right. With that, <laughs> where can people connect with each one of you? Let's start with uh, Dave Puppelmeyer. Did I say that right? Close. Yeah. Where? We'll go where, with do it. People, okay, <laughs> where do people? Okay. Where? I, I get it sometimes. Uh, where do people connect with you? Where do they learn more about you and, and find out about you?
6: Um, I'm on Bigger Pockets. Uh, my business is D3L Properties. So the email is D3L Properties LLC at gmail.com. And so yeah. So I I definitely need to start hopping on uh, bigger pockets more, but, uh, but yeah, if, if you're a new new person starting out and you know, you want someone who's still close to that point, absolutely. Give me a call or whatever, and we'll, we'll go over things. Absolutely.
0: Cool, man. All right, uh, Chris. Yeah, you can, uh, reach me at rei nation.com. That's the, that's the new web address of our company. There's uh, a lot of information on there. You can learn about us and you can learn about me in particular but also i i try and stay pretty active on bigger pockets i get i get sidetracked but but i am still uh, fairly active there on the site so chris clothier on bigger pockets you can send me a message in uh through bigger pockets i think i i try and get back to everybody that that messages me there and then um yeah those are probably the two simplest ways to find me I'm i'm pretty active in both locations so all right and Mr. Mike Butler, what about you? Working they can Mike
1: Butler dot com. It's real easy. Mike Butler dot com, and just click on the contact us, and uh, and you can get a hold get a hold of me there.
2: Very very cool.
1: R E I Nation. I like that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's we, cool,
2: Chris.
0: It's
1: kind of yeah. catchy. <laughs> yeah,
2: Mem- Memphis invest Memphis investor R E I Nation. Yeah, Memphis investor cool. R E I Nation.
0: Oh, just one last yeah. thing. Just yeah. one line.
1: Okay. Always try to take your killer deals and put them into your self-directed Roth IRA for tax-free profit and income for life.
2: Whoa, we can do a whole show. Yeah, let's get the whole show. Just are, we now? Now? <laughs> <What>? are we getting off now? What are you? That's
0: a nice I like teaser. It. Yeah. Really Stay That's tuned good. next
2: yeah. week to learn how you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, this has been this has been fantastic. Thank you guys for joining us today. Really, really good stuff. I mean, I look up to all three of you guys quite a bit when it comes to this landlording thing. So, thank you for sharing your thoughts. So you guys take care. Yeah. Thank, thank you, David. Thanks guys. Thank you. All right, David, you want stay safe? Mr. Green, yes, you want to take this, us out?
3: This is David for Brandon, not as condescending as David Green Turner
1: signing <laughs> off. You're listening to bigger pockets radio, simplifying real estate for investors, large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Hey,
2: BiggerPockets Nation, it's Brandon Turner, author of the book on rental property investing, landlord with over 500 rental units, and host of the BiggerPockets podcast. You know, this is a troubling time full of uncertainty in the world, right? However, some things are really certain. And one of those things is that a lot of people are not able to work due to the social distancing we're engaged in right now. And as a landlord, many of these unemployed workers are renting from us. So as landlords, what do we do? Of course, now, if you're not a landlord and you're watching this, you're probably wondering, what's the big deal? Just do the nice thing and don't make anyone pay rent for a while. But we know that that is not necessarily possible, right? I mean, unless the government changes something drastically, we aren't going to just suddenly be able to stop paying our mortgage payment. We're not going to be able to stop paying our taxes, the insurance, and the other expenses that are needed to run a property. And despite what the general population thinks, most landlords are not rich, greedy, multinational corporations with billions sitting in the bank. Most landlords are people just like you and me, people who, whether by accident or on purpose, ended up with a few rental properties and are trying to manage them while also working a job or running a business. And most will not be able to pay the bills on their properties long-term without getting rent from our tenant. So what do we do? Well, I can't answer for you necessarily as we all have unique situations, but at least I can share with you the exact strategy that my wife and I have come up with for our personal rental properties. And Hey, do me a favor. If you find this video helpful, don't forget to click that little thumbs up button so that more property owners will get this information. All right. So here is our five point plan for dealing with late or missing rent. Number one, have a plan. It's a kind of a summary point here, but it needs to be made. Whether in the wild west or while dealing with a tenant, shooting from the hip is generally a terrible idea. Making decisions on the fly usually results in bad decisions being made. So step one is to commit to having a plan written down for how you are going to deal with this issue. Because for most property owners, this is not a question of if it's a matter of when. Now, maybe this video itself can become a plan that you follow, but even if you do something entirely different from what I'm about to say, just be sure you are prepared. This way you won't be shooting from the hip when that dreaded phone call comes in from the tenant who just lost their job. All right. Step number two, empathize. Now the remainder of the steps on this video, three, four, and five, they're more concrete, but I want to make sure we address this. Tenants are people and they're going through a remarkably scary time. Perhaps maybe a worse time than you're going through because you're probably a little more financially educated and have more of a foundation, foundation of finance than many of your tenants do. So before anything else, listen to them, understand what they're going through, talk with them, empathize. We're all in this together, so let's remember to be human and keep people before profit in our discussions. Now that said, we still need rent. We can't survive financially without it. So that brings me to step number three. Step three, explain that rent is still due for as long as there have been tenants and landlords and bills to be paid. There's a super interesting piece of human behavior at play here. People will pay the bills that give them the greatest consequence of not paying. In other words, most people financially struggle to pay their bills, but they can pay some of their bills. It's not all their bills. This is why late fees are so important when landlording, because when the choice is between paying rent and buying a flat screen TV. Well, the late fee and the threat of eviction tips the scale towards that money being used to pay rent. But today we're not really dealing with flat screen TVs, are we? But the principle still applies. Likely, your tenant is gonna to have to make some serious decisions on what bills get paid and which ones don't. That is why after talking with a tenant and empathizing with them, I believe it's still important to let them know the rent is still due. And as I'm sure you've heard, evictions are being suspended in most areas in the U.S. right now. The ability to issue a late fee might also be banned soon. Your tenant very well might assume that this means the need to pay rent is also being suspended. And it's your job to inform them otherwise. Even if you can't evict right now, legally, it doesn't mean that they still don't owe the rent. It doesn't mean that you won't evict later when the courts do open back up again. You don't need to be a jerk about this. But let them know that you have a mortgage payment, you have bills to pay, and that them paying is going to be vital for keeping the property. All right. Step number four, give your tenant their options. Look, once you've explained that the rent is still due, now is the time to help the tenant navigate this difficult time. We plan to do this by giving them their options as they may be unaware of the different ways that they could come up with the rent. First, we plan to keep an eye on programs that the government is designing to help individuals, especially tenants. This is a rapidly changing time, so we're going to keep a close eye on the assistance programs. Now, right now, there is a very real possibility that the government is going to issue cash payments to every adult American. And, you know, that could help quite a bit. But even if they don't, there might be a local, like, or local programs, state programs, or other federal programs that could help. Also, we are going to offer other suggestions as well. For example, maybe they could borrow money from a relative, or maybe could the rent be paid via credit card? In fact, to help where we can, we plan to offer to pay the fee associated with using a credit card. And that can be up to 30, 40, $50. Now would be a good time for you to get set up on a rent collection system that has the ability to take a credit card. Companies like Venmo, PayPal can handle that, as well as property management software like Buildium, Appfolio, or Cozy. All right, step number five, the emergency rent deferral plan. Okay, this is where I hope my tenants don't watch this video because I don't really want the tenant knowing that this is an option yet. If I brought this up at the beginning for tenants, most everyone in the world would jump at it. Because remember, humans will naturally pay the most pressing bill, so I need them to know that rent is still incredibly incredibly high on their priority list. So step five, though, is our worst case measure that'll only be mentioned to tenants when they don't pay their rent, not when they call and say they're not sure they'll be able to. We'll still let the tenant know that the rent is due on the first, we'll give them their options I just mentioned, and even still issue a late notice to the tenant if they miss Paying rent. But what if they really have exhausted all their options and they just can't pay the rent and they're a good tenant, especially if they're a good tenant? This is where we will introduce the tenant to our Emergency Rent Deferral Plan or ERDP. And because we followed step one of the video, we have a specific plan in place to deal with this inevitable situation. And having this documented plan in place shows the tenant that this is not us winging it, but we have a system that can handle this. We're professional. But more on that system in just a second. First, there's a really important question we're going to ask each tenant before we introduce this plan. How much can you pay toward your rent? Chances are, even if they can't pay all of their rent, they can probably pay some of their rent. Maybe their rent is $1,000 a month and they can pay $300 toward their rent. Well, we're going to accept that $300 and move on to the ERDP. Now, what is the ERDP? Simply put, the ERDP allows the tenant to opt into a payment plan for their rent over the following 10 months. The ERDP is an addendum to their lease that gives them the ability to take their rent and pay it in equal portions for the next 10 months. Now, that begins the second month after enacting. It basically gives them an extra month before the increased payment begins. So for example, let's say that we've gone through all of this but the tenant simply cannot make the April 1st rent. They owe $1,000 in rent, and because we asked what they can put toward it, they are able to put $300 towards the remaining, towards what they owe. So the remaining $700 becomes like 70 bucks a month, that gets added to their rent beginning June 1st. So starting June 1st, now not May 1st, and I'll explain why in a second, they will pay $1,070 per month in rent until the following March. Now why not start the payment next month? Simply because I have a strong suspicion that this is not gonna end quickly, one month deferral may not be enough time to get them back on their feet so we're going to wait an extra month before adding that extra payment now furthermore it is our company policy that during this time a tenant will be allowed to use this erdp twice of course we're not going to tell them that immediately the same reason we wanted you know we're not going to tell them about the program to begin with we want them to work through steps one through four first rent has to remain a priority but eventually we will let them do two months. Now, if after those two months are still unable to pay, the tenant may just need to move. Now this is completely uncharted territory we find ourselves in today. I'm not gonna lie to you and tell you, I know exactly what we're gonna do then and I know what the future holds. But here's the deal, the government can't forever stop evictions and stop making people pay rent or allow them not to pay rent, but continue to force mortgage payments and foreclosures. I mean, otherwise every landlord in the country is eventually gonna go bankrupt or all these banks are going to end up owning like millions of properties. So somewhere, something's going to have to give. If this social distancing, job loss, and potential economic meltdown continues, we're going to make new rules as it happens. My guess is that the government will offer more and more programs to attempt to help, because remember, you and I are not alone in this. Everyone is trying to figure this out, and we will. Humans have an incredible ability to figure stuff out when the night is darkest. We will get through this, we will survive, we will emerge stronger. Now, I hope this video shed some light on what I'll be doing in my personal rental portfolio to handle potential rent issues in the near future. Uh, Maybe you'll be doing something a little bit different, and hey, that's great. You know, we're all just figuring this out. I encourage you to share your thoughts below the video and let us know what your plan is, and perhaps together we can help the world both tenant and landlord move forward financially successful. Remember, if this video was helpful, please hit that like button below the video, the thumbs up, and share them with somebody you think would benefit from hearing it. And if you're a landlord and you're looking for more advice on managing rental properties, my wife and I wrote a book called The Book on Managing Rental Properties. It's full of tactics, tools, and strategies for navigating the messy world of landlording. You can even get it at a library, so if you don't wanna buy it, just, just read it. And perhaps now is a good time to get some reading in, anyway, to brush up on your skills, because remember, The economy cannot stop your work ethic. It cannot stop your drive. It cannot stop your quest for self-education, self-improvement, and personal growth. For BiggerPockets.com, my name is Brandon Turner, signing off.
5: The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market.